We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kingdom, baby. We're one and oh. Welcome back to One on One, a KC Sports Network podcast. As always, your co-host Mike DeVito here with nine-year NFL veteran and Kansas City's Chiefs Super Bowl champion Jeff Allen. And we're bringing you all things Chiefs football from a player's perspective. Big Jeff, we got the win, man. We got the win. We're one and oh. How are you feeling today, brother? You feeling good? I'm feeling good. I feel good, man. There's nothing better than coming off the win, especially at home. Um, you just gotta use that momentum and carry it to the next week. Got to do it, brother. Got to do it. Before we jump into it today, our sponsor, as always, and we're incredibly grateful, Cookie Society Cookies. Best cookies shipped nationwide. You can get everything. Apple pie cookies, uh, peanut butter cookies, M&M cookies. Whatever you think of. Any cookie in the world. We got Next it. week, I'm telling you, next week going to be a cheeseburger cookie. They're going to have a steak <laughs> cookie. There'll be all kinds of cookies. Best. I, I dare you to find one better. Check them out. CookieSociety.com. Thank you to our sponsors. Big Jeff, we are into it. One and all. We came back. We got the win. Brother, talk to me about this game, man. You know, I want to get your overall sort of thoughts, but then specifically the big man up front, Trey Smith, what you think of his performance. We're going to just touch this quick, by the way, Chiefs fans. If you want to check out the full breakdown, check out the KC Laboratory, KC Sports Network. Go back, go back and make sure you check out that broadcast. They covered the whole game in detail. We're just going to get into some real quick observations. And so, Big Jeff, with that, what do you think, man? I mean, I'll give you a quick summary. Um, Patrick Mahomes fucking happened. <laughs> That's what happened. Patrick Mahomes, classic Pat, um, finding a way to win a game. Um, obviously, offensively, um, they weren't stopped the entire day. There were a couple drives, you know, where we stalled in the red zone. But overall, I would give the offense, you know, an A minus. It would be A plus if they scored every time they hit the red zone. But A minus for the day. Um, they got the victory defensively. Um, it's early in the season. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times defensively, you're not playing a lot of snaps. It's a little bit harder to get, get caught up because you're not tackling. You're not getting guys to down the ground. Had a couple starters missing. Um, so it wasn't the greatest day, but they made plays when it counted. And yeah. ultimately, it was a good team win. Yeah, I, I tweeted I tweeted out uh, Pat Mahomes covers a multitude of sins. And it's just we've seen it time and time again for the past, you know, however, what are we going on, four years now where yeah. – it's just every, you know, things could be going wrong so bad in other phases of the game. And you just know 
you know, Pat Mahomes, it could be 21 down, 28 down. It's like, well, you know, I've never seen anything like it. I've never been a part of a team. I've never rooted for a team. I've never seen a team. And I've played against Tom Brady and the Patriots in his prime. And I've never felt like this. And I can't imagine what it feels like as a defensive player, knowing that you really can just let it loose. You really can just let it loose. You can take risks. You can gamble. You don't got starters. You got your, you know, one of your best linemen out. You got your best secondary guy out. You got a guy that calls all the shots. And you're still like, well, we got Pat Mahomes. I mean, we got Pat Mahomes. We're going to overcome all this. I just, I, I wish I could give you some insight on what that feels like, but I, I can't even, I, I've never experienced anything like well, it. It feels, it feels unbelievable, especially <laughs> yeah. as an offensive lineman. I mean, I've been on teams where, you know, we'd have to have 10 to 15 play drives to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Playing with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you can literally score on any given play. I mean, you saw the, the, the one play drive when he threw a 70 yard bomb to, to Tyreek, you know, the, to, you know, start the game, <laughs> to right. get caught back up and start the, the comeback. But, um, it, it's just an amazing feeling to have someone like that. I mean, it's not just Patrick. I know we give him all the credit because he's the quarterback. I mean, you got the offensive line did a great job. I think they came out and played really well against a good front. Yeah. I um, didn't hear too much from Jadavion Clowney. I know he was in the, you know, the clippings early in the week talking about unathletic guards, but he was really quiet that day. Miles um, Garrett didn't do too much. Um, I mean, I didn't even know Malik Jackson was on that defensive line. That's my yeah. fault for not studying. But they had a host of guys that are big names, they're good players that didn't didn't do too much. So it, it was good to see those young guys, especially inside, kind of create that wall. And they did a good job of, you know, creating the integrity of the pocket, allowing Pat to step up and letting Orlando and Nane run those defensive ends up the field. So right. that was that was encouraging to see. That was good to see. And um, I'm looking forward to see that whole year. Yeah, and it looked like they really gelled together well. And I think the one thing to to point out is that they they were down for a bit, right? So you know, yeah. you know, you play in Kansas City, you know you're going to get a bunch of passes anyway. But now you got a Kansas City Chiefs that's down. What were they down? 10 points, 14 points at some point? They were down at one point. They were down 12. It was 10 yeah. to 22 or something like that. Yeah. You So you know they're going to be chucking it. So that means yeah. as a defensive lineman, I mean, you're in those Greyhound stances. You're 100 miles an hour up the field. So those linemen were getting the best that the Browns' defensive line could give. I mean, it wasn't like the, the Browns were – you know, hesitant to play the run. I mean, they were coming and they were coming, you know, with vengeance. And that, that offensive line did a great job. And Geoff Swartz, big Swartz, he uh, he tweeted out something, a clip with uh, Trey Smith. And I really love this one. I want to get your thoughts on on, on, what you, on how you think Smith did. But it was a play that had gotten extended and Pat was rolling out and he just was, he was blocking the lineman, blocking the lineman. The lineman went to pursue and Trey followed him and just buried him and and pancaked him down. I just, and I know as a defensive lineman, when you watch tape, right, you're always looking at the guys you're going against to see how can you exploit them? How are the techniques? How good are they? But one thing that always killed me, and I hated this, and I can admit it now, I wouldn't admit it back then, but you hated playing against a guy that you had to pay attention to the whole game, right? Those Richie Incognitos, those Jeff Allens, that if you took your eye off of them, they were going to, they were going to smoke you. Yeah. So you had to pay attention to that. And to see that from the young buck early, right? That takes some that takes some swagger, takes, takes some confidence in a big game, big first game. He did a great job playing with that that angry mauler offensive guard mentality. I mean, it, again, it just shows his maturity. So I mean, what do you think? You 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 follow that the same way? Yeah, same way. I, I mean, early on, that was like later in the game, but the mm-hmm. first drive, I think it was 
a play where Tyree got a reverse. Didn't get many yards on the play, but he was very physical on that play. He ended up dumping the guy and it's setting the tone early. And I think it's very important to do that. It's it's like it's like a boxer. You know, your yeah. jab, you're getting those body blows, and, and those things add up as the fight goes on. Um, and, and for him as a young guy to be able to come out and be that physical, those are things that you can't teach that. You can't teach a dog mentality. You can't teach, you know, someone the ability to finish and, and wanting to impose their will. That's just something that's in you. But I, what's most impressive with him, um, like I had that, you know, there are guys that have that early on in their career, but you don't necessarily have the skill set or the technique hasn't gotten up to the point of that dog mentality. <laughs> so right. you're just out there being a dog, but getting your ass kicked at sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so, but for him, it's like, no, this kid's a dog and he has the technique. There's some things he needs to clean up, but overall, the, the guy looks like a vet out there. Yeah. And that's really yeah. impressive. He's only going to get better from here. Um, the future's bright for him. The future's bright for this, for this offense. I mean, the entire line, they did a great job. Um, they're going to continue to mesh. And I like the the mentality they all have so far. Yeah, yeah. No, it really is special. And you're right. I mean, you know, you see these young guys sort of come into their form and, and then you see the dogs start to come out of them. But like yeah. the first couple games on that, especially we talked about the offensive line uh, not being together as a unit for a while, you know, first live game, bullets are flying. You know, a lot of times you can get sort of a deer in the headlights mentality, even if you've got mm -hmm. a tough guy like Trey. And yet you saw a level of comfort and swagger that he could play, play well, and let that dog out, you know? So it's yeah. only, like you said, only bright things for him. And then, you know, when I transition to the defensive side of the ball, you, you talk about the Honey Badger not being there, uh, Frank Clark not being there. I mean, th those are key players, and we can get into yeah. that. But I just, when I watch Chris Jones on film, it's just it's unbelievable to watch and, and from a defensive line perspective right so you got your, your nose technique you, you got your nose your three technique and your outside end rusher and, and any sort of variation thereof um and all three pose different challenges right so when you're that nose rusher you're right on that center and generally that center is has has help right generally he's going to yeah. have a power coming down with him and so that takes a lot of really quick movement right away hand movement getting to a side and rushing, getting that rip in quick and driving. Uh, Chris can do that like an all-pro and play the run down there like an all-pro. Yeah. Then you move out to that three-tech position. Got a little bit more room to work, but it's still it's still quick. It's still compact. Again, and, and, and you're, you know these guards also tend to have help from, from the lineman inside, a tackle if nothing's going on, on the outside. So it's, it's rare that you get a one-on-one. -on -one. You're still dealing with double teams. Um, and so that that position poses um, different challenges as well. And then you get out to that five technique, and you got you're you're on, uh, there's a lot of space. The timing is totally different. When yep. you're going to hit a move, when you're going to throw a rip, uh, when you're going to throw a club and or you know a hump move, try to get in there. The timing is totally different. And so it's really difficult to be able to go from nose to three technique and then to end and be able to rush with the consistency, and not just the consistency, but the um, all-pro ability that Chris Jones has, where he can take it and give you that all-pro talent at any one of those positions. And it's just something, I watched him throw a hump move and, yeah. and, and get in there, get a sack, and I was just like, from a five-tech, from a wide five rushing on the outside, and it looked like, and I think you had you had tweeted that he looked. I was going like to mention that. Yeah, yeah I was going to mention that. that. That's what I thought too. Yeah, I, I tweeted that, and people thought I was crazy for saying it. But I grew up in Chicago, 
grew up playing football my entire life. The very first jersey I ever had, <laughs> coincidentally, yeah. was a Packers Reggie White jersey. So I got a lot of crap for it being in Chicago as a Bears fan. But I grew up watching Reggie White. Yeah. I was one of his biggest fans. That was my favorite player growing up. And seeing Chris Jones out there reminds me of Reggie White. I'm not saying he's Reggie White quite yet, but he has that same tool, tool that same toolbox, the same skill set. And when he threw that hunt move, all I saw was 92. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I saw. I saw Reggie White, and that 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 was that was what was on my mind. That's what it reminded me of. And and right after the game, post game, he had on a Reggie White jersey. So he feels the same way. He's been studying Reggie White. Has the same type of build as him. Same length. Same power. Same athleticism. Um, he puts it all together, man. This he might, this might be his best position. Right. Like I know it sounds crazy, um, him being an All Pro three technique, but him out there, it's it's just a, it's different, man. Tackles aren't used to that type of physical, like presence out there. They're just no. used to speed guys that might hit you power here and there. But this guy, he has it all. But his power, it's a different power than a you know two hundred and sixty pound outside linebacker. This is oh. a, a full grown man out there. So it's, a, it's a mismatch for sure for most tackles. That is a great point. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I mean, these tackles are so, especially in today's league, right, where you don't have as many of those static three, four defenses where you have 300-pound ends, yeah. right, and then a big nose. I mean, you a lot of these defenses are those hard rush, four, three, just like Kansas City is, uh, defenses. And so those guys tend to be smaller guys. you got a guy like Chris Jones out there, you, you got to worry so much about the just the, the bull. I mean, just the funk that he can bring down the middle, yeah. something these guys don't ever see. But then getting back to that hump move, like that is a completely different move from the hump move that you would throw as a three technique, right? So if yeah. I'm in a three technique, I'm throwing that hump move. As soon as I get off the snap, boom, I'm hitting that rip. And then as soon as I feel it, I'm, I'm humping through. When you're playing that outside end rusher, it's three or four steps. The timing's totally different. Sinking the rip in is timely, is totally different. Getting that momentum to go the way you want it to is a the it's totally different move. And I, you know, every once in a while we'd mess around in one-on-ones, right? You would there wouldn't be enough guys, and so you'd have to go out to end. And yeah. I was bull rushing every time as an end because they just <laughs> I just could not feel it out to, 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 to time up those passers moves. He looks so natural out there. So it's just yeah. Now I get I, I'm not the greatest comparison, but I think there are a lot of guys that are just, I mean, it's just a, it's hard to do that. And again, to go down to that nose position, right? That Dontari Poe type position where you you got that fast explosiveness right off the ball, getting those moves done. He can do that as well. So it's just I'll, I'll go on record saying this. I mean, I think if he consistently stays out there, he's gonna have 20 sacks. Yeah, like, definitely. He's gonna have 20 sacks. He's gonna being running for defensive player of the year, Chandler Jones yeah. <laughs> doesn't slow down his pace. <laughs> yeah. But he's gonna be in he's gonna be in the thick of things when it's all said and done for defensive player of the year. Um yeah. he's gonna make some impact plays over the course of the season that leads that leads to you know the Chiefs winning a lot of football games. Yeah, no that no it's exactly right. And and if not that those other guys along the line are gonna be productive because they're, they're gonna, gonna be have better. to they're gonna have to devote three guys to them. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I mean, there aren't too many tackles that I would say, "Hey, you can block him one on one." You know, you're yep. good. You're gonna have to devote other guys to him. And that's gonna free up those other linemen. Um, you know, I guess if there was one negative from the game, you know, we look on defense. Defense struggles. You talk about how um, you can starting the year off can be difficult. It's funny. It's it's different than training camp. Training camp, it's the opposite, right? The defense goes out there. 
you throw a few plays in, and usually you're beating the offense to start. Yeah. You know, not too much thinking going on. But then you're right, you get to the first game, and just for whatever reason, it takes a defense a little while to get going, um, a little while to gel. And again, you haven't dealt with crowd noise like that, so mm-hmm. it's hard to communicate. You don't have the honey badger in the back end. Very hard to communicate back there and get guys lined up. Um, so we knew we were going to see some bumps there. You know, I look at the run game, and I tweeted something out. I said something along the lines. This was a halftime, and I, I said, you know, Kansas City doesn't have to be great against the run, but they have to be better than they were in the first half. Yeah. And I think I was totally wrong. I I honestly think, you know, it's so hard for me because I'm coming from an era where stopping the run was a pride thing. You know, it was like yeah. if a team ran the ball on you, that was like, that was killer. But like, it almost seems to me to be a waste of time for these guys. You know, you, you always think, oh, well, if something were to happen and you don't have Pat Mahomes or you lose a star on, on offense, now you got to be ready to play the run. And so it's always good to know how to do it. Uh, but like right now, I don't know. I, I just don't feel like I would spend a ton of time. I mean, you're right. Any- from a, from analytic, looking at it from an analytics uh, point of view. Um, you, you have to stop the run. I mean, if you're looking at it that way, because teams that run the ball well, historically historically speaking, do well. I mean, they win football games. I know I, I don't know the exact percentage, but I know when a team rushes for one touchdown in the game, their odds of winning the game goes way up. Yeah. That's just yeah. one rushing touchdown during the game. Right. I think Cleveland had three, and they and they lost the game. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's not a normal thing, but when you're playing an offense like the Chiefs offense that has a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, all of those stats, they go out the window. That's why so many teams go for it on fourth downs. And, and yeah. when they're down in the low red zone, they go for it and try to score touchdowns because they know, like, all those analytics don't matter. Like, we need to be able to score as many points as possible because I know at some point Kevin Stefanski knew. I know Ali says last name. He knew, like, I have to score as many points as possible. He right. even said it going into half. Like, you know, at, at some point they're going to start scoring points and, and the comeback's going to start. So he knew. Um and that's what you got to do against the Chiefs. You have to score as many points as possible because if you don't, you're going to end up losing the game. No, I mean, you're, no, it's exactly right. And, and you know, I you look at the, the – when you know, and we're looking at it from the TV copy, and, and I, you know, so sometimes it's hard to see exactly what's going on. I'm always, you know, putting an asterisk up when I make a comment about a defense because you never know what the call was, what people's assignments were. But when you do look at the runs that broke out, it wasn't that guys were outmanned up front. It wasn't that they were just getting no. bullied off the ball. It just looked like they didn't spend a lot of time practicing the run. That, that one play that you retweeted, uh, I believe it was either a four-eye or a three-technique. As soon as that guard, the guard and tackle washed down quick, and he he stepped out hard with the guard, and it shortened up that corner. And they just, you know, that's when he ran in untouched to the end zone, untouched for seventeen yards, and like it wasn't anything about physicality being out no. man, outmatched or anything like that like it was gap control that's and it. a lot of it, it it could come down to study anything like that it wasn't anything that cleveland hasn't been running for the last two years it's the same right. counterplay that they ran about 12 times that game so right. i mean right. the backer probably shouldn't bite that much and <laughs> right. the, the three technique and five shouldn't crash down as much but i mean they did the job for cleveland i mean that's why nick chubb went untouched for 17 yards that's right no that no that's exactly yeah yeah you're totally right and again, that, so I say that to say it's a, it's an easy fix. Like the yeah. three technique plays back into the tackle, and that's a whole different play. And generally, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna do that. But again, I still don't know how much time I would sp- like. I would correct it. I would correct it in uh, 
meetings and maybe throw one of those plays I, in nine on seven if, if you're going to see I, it the next week. But I think the most important thing for this defense is, um, I mean, stopping the run is important at some point, but I think the most important thing is getting off the field on third down. Yeah, so yeah. You have those third down opportunities, get off the damn field and get the ball back to his offense because right. you know if you give them as many chances as possible, like at some point they're going to figure it out. I don't care how the game starts. I don't care if they're stalling. Like at some point, they're gonna they're gonna rally and it's gonna be an explosion. Um, right. They, they can put up points in a bunch. Yeah. No, it's so true. So true. It's a, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, so, and this will transition us into the Ravens game. But I want to talk about the importance of winning that first game. Yeah. Right. That winning that winning that first game is vital. And this is one of those things that I would like to look up the statistics again. Uh, but I know back when I was with the Jets, Eric Mangini always used to harp on, you know, if we if you started one and zero versus you started zero and one, the percentages of making the playoffs versus not making the playoffs, and it was a substantial difference. Yeah. And now, and I think one of the things that goes into it is, you know, the second that schedule comes out for the you know for the year upcoming year, you're thinking about that first game. Like you're not thinking about the season as a whole. Like as a player, yeah. you're thinking about. Okay, we got Cleveland first. So everything is getting ready for Cleveland. And so it ends up, you end up putting a lot into a game that normally, you know, wouldn't have that sort of, uh, uh, you wouldn't put that much effort. In. I mean, just months and months of thinking about playing Cleveland and getting through OTAs and mini camps in the summer and training camp. And Cleveland's sort of the end, at week one is that's the goal. And so to get there and win is huge. To yeah. get there and lose is it's 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 more than losing just one game right to lose the opener is more than just losing a game it's losing a very very important game uh and to start off the year you know all in one with momentum going the wrong way and you know gearing up for this big game and not delivering you know it's all these months of prep and and not pulling it out it's it's tough. I mean, did you have those experiences where you get going and everybody's hopes are high for the first, you know, for the for the for the season, and you get to that first game and you lose that first game, and you're like, oh damn. That yeah, hurts. it's tough. I've been I've been on both sides of it. I think um, <clears throat> winning is a habit, and so is losing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can start the season off on the right foot, like it's it's so it's so pivotal and important, you know, to the, to the success of your season. Um, but when you're in a good organization, like for instance, like Baltimore, they lost the first game, but their foundation is so solid. I mean, their head coach, you know, they're just their, their organization, where they operate, um, they're going to try to turn this thing around quick. They know as bad as it is losing one game to start the season, losing two is even worse. So that, that, that's going to be, that's going to be um, very motivating for them. They're going to come out ready to go. So right. this, this is going to be, you know, a tough matchup for the chiefs, but, on the other side of the field, you got a, an organization that's just as well you prepared. That's that, that that knows the importance of winning football games, especially early in the year. So I, I expect both teams come out ready to go from the start. Yeah, um, a plus matchup, and it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I mean the Ravens come off about as difficult a loss as you can get. Right, week one, Monday night, overtime. Yeah. Uh, now you got a short week, so not only do you have this this crazy emotional game. Uh, in prime time, but now you got a short week to get ready for the next one. But you're right. I mean, if there was an organization, if there is an organization that could bounce back from that, uh, Baltimore is certainly one of those ones that you would point to, the veterans, the coaching staff, everybody's been there and done that. Yeah. Um, 
And so now KC going into Baltimore Sunday night, I'll tell you what, I'm sure some of our Chiefs fans have experienced it. Uh, Jeff, have you, did you play in Baltimore? Have you played in Baltimore? Yeah, I played yeah. there. Yeah. The it is. So 2007, my rookie year, um, I am uh, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm not dressed. It's right. I think it's the second game of the year. I hadn't I hadn't made the act. I was on the active roster, but I wasn't dressing for the games. And I remember this was right in the middle of the Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Bart Scott, you know, that era uh, of just, you know, Haloti Nada was there. I mean, just these these really um, nasty Rex Ryan defense. I mean, it was just they had some studs. Yeah. And when the, the entrance to the game, right, the beginning of the game, they're calling out the starters and the starting defense is getting called out, the starting Ravens defense. So we're on the sideline. And we're in we're in Baltimore and we're watching them come out. And you know, just every guy that comes out is a stud. And you start getting to the end and they start calling out Terrell Suggs and he has a dance and everything gets dark and the fireworks are coming. He comes out with a shield and a sword and a Viking mask and he's you know, and then Terrell and then uh, Ray Lewis comes out and he's got the famous dance and everybody's going nuts. And I remember I'm like on the sideline, like I'm rooting for those guys. Like that was awesome. But I was so fired <laughs> up for them, you know. I was That's like, funny. I was like, it's just, it's an incredible. Every time I've had a chance to play there, it's an incredible place to play, especially if you're playing there in prime time. It, it is, and I know things incredible. haven't changed. It's incredible. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. Um, I've never played there, and it's been bad weather. It always seems to be football weather. Weather up there, um, the fans are awesome. Um, so it's going to be a good game, I think. Um, I think I think the Chiefs are going to do Chiefs things. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick is going to do Patrick things, and they're going to find a way to win it. But um, it's going to be a tough matchup for sure. I think they're they're going to be really motivated after coming off a loss. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, check out outside the trench, the outside the trenches, Chiefs fans, if you want more uh, information, more preview of that game coming out. I believe that comes out on Thursdays. KC Sports Network. They're going to have the whole breakdown there. Uh, the one thing, real quick, that I see. I mean, even last. Even going off of uh, coming off of that loss, they still had some big numbers in the run game. I think they had close yeah. to 200 yards rushing. Obviously, the QB can run the football. He he's got legs, and so there's going to be things that you've got to prepare for and watch out for. I mean, that they're not they're certainly not a pushover. And like you said, they're going to be motivated and ready to go. And one of the reasons they're going to be motivated and ready to go is because they know. They have that guy over there that we're used to playing with, Big Five O, Justin Houston. <laughs> I mean. Man, talk to me about what it was like coming into Kansas City and having Justin Houston on that team. I mean, now did he come in with you? Were you guys in the same rookie class? Yeah, he was a year before me. But um, man, it was awesome. I mean, obviously, he's one of the greatest Chiefs to ever play. He had that wonderful season where he had. I mean, he almost got the record was twenty one sacks or something like that, something crazy. But the crazy part about that, I remember. I mean, it was a contract year for him, so. He, he was trying to get paid before the season, but they couldn't come to terms. And I remember being in the cold tub out in St. Joe, and he was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to break the sack record. He's like, I'm going to have 20-plus sacks. Like, watch, mark my words. And he called his shot, and he went out and did it. I was like, oh, that's amazing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that was a really cool story. That's something that I had to put out in the public. I don't think that's ever been said before, but he went, he went and did it. Um, he still has juice. Um some of the best hands in the league. And he, of course, learned that from Tom Ali. Um, really physical, um, but most importantly, he's a smart football player. Plays the run equally as well as the pass. Yeah. Um, and he's, of course, he's going to have some 
some some extra juice playing his former team. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And he brings that leadership, right? We talked about yeah, definitely that leadership. Yeah, we talked about the guys that just that just comes naturally. You know that that leadership uh, and that ability to rile the team up, right? But not only to get motivated for the game, but to pull the guys up if things aren't going well. Uh, and just the guy that everybody's going to look to. He he has that naturally, and that that's hard to come by. Um, I remember my first uh, encounter with Justin. I talked about how difficult it was to play on that defense coming from the Jets where everybody was a run stopper. And so there was plenty of opportunities to make plays. And then coming out to Kansas City and having to try to beat Don Terry Poe and Justin Houston, Tom Bahali and Derek Johnson and Eric Berry and all these guys to the football. Dude, that just wasn't happening. I was like, man, I'm going to get, you know, 10 tackles a year and that's going to be in cleanup time. There's just no way I'm doing anything out here. Uh, so obviously that. But I remember coming into the weight room and I was, I'm a big weight room guy. And I'm 315 pounds. And I remember I benched close, you know, 475, 485 pounds. And I remember Justin benching more than I could. Yeah. At, you know, two, what was he, 270, 265? Yeah. I mean, benching more than I was just like, I can't believe this man who's, you know, 40 pounds less than I am can, I mean, not only, you know, he's explosive, he's tough, he's athletic, he's got all that stuff, but he's as strong as the strongest lineman. Yep. I mean, he just is a special, special guy. Oh, yeah. He's still got it. You see him. He's still yeah. right. He's, still he's definitely going to set the edge. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no move, there's no moving him. And I think um, with, along with all that leadership, something that a lot of people may not know, he's one of the hardest working guys out there. He is. I mean, really humble. Um, and he, he was always putting in work. I remember seeing him after practice, you know, with his mask on, on the treadmill, yeah. running extra sprints, you know, in the weight room with Eric Berry. Um, yeah. And that 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 trickled down, you know, to the younger guys on the team, even some of the vets um, established in that leadership. And he, he helped build a foundation. I know he wasn't on that Super Bowl team. You know, he was released before then. But I mean, he set some of that foundation before he exited the building. No, no question. No question. I mean, that that's a that's such a distinct thing with Kansas City that I remember that stands out was, you know, I'm coming from New York with Darrell Rivas, Antonio Cromartie. Uh, you know, we had Braylon Edwards, Antonio Holmes. Uh, we had all these stars, you know, the Alan Fanicas and the DeBrickishaw Ferguson's and Mangold. Yeah. I mean, we had pro bowlers all over the place. And I've never seen anybody work like the guys in Kansas City. Now, those guys worked hard in New York. And, and, and there were guys that really worked hard. But as a whole, when you take all the pro bowlers that in Kansas City, which was basically all everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, they worked like undrafted free agents. And I've said this a million times, but I just, and, it, and it's still like that today. Yeah. I just was shocked to see, like you said, Justin Houston, you know, this perennial pro bowler, this guy who's tying the sack record and just unstoppable in there with Eric Berry, with this, who's the same status. And they're running extra sprints after practice with their helmet on. Like yeah. you know, they're undrafted guys trying to make the team. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, 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 the tradition carries on. I mean, yeah. you know, the person that may have learned it from them may not say they learned it from them, but they did, and, and it just continues to go on and on. And that legacy lives on. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, a long list of guys that you know have, have left an impact on the Chiefs organization. I wish I could say I left a bigger impact oh, on those guys. Yeah, I was just gonna say those you. guys. I mean, those guys, honestly, like some of the best leaders and men that I've ever been around. There's, there's a lot of them. Hopefully we can get them on the show at some point. Yeah, uh, we will. We will. Some of these things, but um, there are a lot of good football players 
you know, throughout my tenure on the Chiefs and throughout, you know, Andy Reid's era and even before then. Um, but most importantly, there's always been great men. And that's what I've been most proud of. And, and being able to say that I shared the same field with some of these guys has been been an honor. Mm. Oh, that's yeah, that's you're totally right, Jeff. You're totally right, brother. Well, big stuff. One and oh, going into Baltimore next week. We're ready for it. Chiefs Kingdom. We'll see you Sunday tweeting during the game, and then we'll see you next Wednesday for one-on-one. Thank you for tuning in. Big Jeff, great to see you, brother. See you great to see you, Mike. Go Chiefs. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.